Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, everybody? It's another edition of Inside Boxing Live. We're coming to you from Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar here on 35th and 7th. Uh, it's one of our big sponsors here, and we got a big week of boxing coming up. Uh, the, the sport has been a little bit of a lull over the summer. Everyone's on vacation, and uh, but we got big boxing coming up this week with uh, the return of Manny Pacquiao versus Lucas Matisse, a fight that was in a lot of jeopardy. People didn't know if it was going to happen. Uh, we don't know if it was going to be on TV here in the U.S. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we didn't know if the money was going to be there. It was vintage uh, Pacquiao at this stage in his career. But there's a lot of uh, chaos in his camp. Of course, he will be without Freddie Roach uh, for the first time in a very long time, going back to when he was fighting over in the Philippines. And he'll be fighting with Boo Boy, of course. And uh, a lot of people don't know exactly what version of Manny Pacquiao we're going to see on Saturday night. He's going to be in there with Lucas Matisse. Another fighter who we also don't know what he has left. And a lot of times those types of fights, those two styles where guys are on the tail end of their careers, their defense isn't what it used to be, which usually make uh, for the best types of fights. And uh, just from here, some crazy stats here. Pacquiao, in his last four fights, his fight averages is 11 of 39. You go back to his previous five, he was 20 for 56. So clearly we're seeing a drop-off in Manny Pacquiao as he gets older uh, he's up there at, at age 39. But can we see vintage Pacquiao? I know that he has his sights set on fighting a Lomachenko. Uh, maybe he's cooling a little bit on the on the thought of fighting a Crawford. We know that Pacquiao wants the paydays. He needs the money. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see him on ESPN+. Plus. We also have uh, Regis Progre. He's fighting on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, he's fighting on e- regular ESPN uh, at 7 o'clock this Saturday. And uh, we'll be joined very momentarily by the one and only Lou DiBella. A uh, big-time promoter here in New York City, and he uh, is the promoter for Regis Progre. So we'll hear everything we want to hear from Lou about uh, his up-and-coming superstar here that he says at 140 pounds. And it's an interesting fight because uh, not only is every time Regis Progre fights you want to watch because he is a TV-friendly type of fighter, but the winner of this fight goes on into the World Boxing Super Series. Everyone is expecting Regis uh, to win this fight, and I think it's very exciting to see his name in the World Boxing Super Series, uh, the 140-pound division that they just announced recently. Uh, so we're going to keep your eyes on that. So it's a big weekend of fights. Uh, this past weekend, didn't get as much action as we wanted. Uh, Jose Ramirez, Danny O'Connor, they had a big uh, you know, big fiasco over the weight. Uh, Danny O'Connor had needed seven IVs. He had some kidney failure. You saw the photos on Instagram that surfaced. Uh, you saw some of the things that were said on, on, on Twitter, some of the nasty things. We'll get into boxing Twitter with uh, Lou DiBella. Uh, people saying that, you know, they'll just let the fight go on and, you know, we have to worry about the main event, but you don't have to worry about the health of these fighters. You know, you see a fighter with that needs seven IVs just to get his consciousness back, you know, p- potential liver, uh, liver failure for Danny O'Connor. It's, it's just something's going on with the sport, and I don't know what you can do to fix it. Maybe same-day weigh-ins, but, uh, you know, things... 
it, it's it's getting it's getting out of control. You see it in the UFC all the time, where fights get called off, and these guys are making these extreme weight cuts. Um, but that's what's going on this weekend. So a big busy weekend in the ESPN front. And looking down the road, we'll also have uh, the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Final, Usyk uh, versus Gassiev, which is going to be probably a candidate uh, for fight of the year. But we have to bring in right now the one and only Mr. Lou DiBella. A very interesting interview with Lou. We go through everything, the making of Gotti Ward, uh, his, uh, his time with Bernard Hopkins and Jermaine Taylor, all that and the other. Of course, uh, he'll talk about uh, Regis Progress. It's coming up next with Lou DiBella. All right, look at this. We're here at Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar with my uh, longtime buddy, the incomparable king of New York City, Mr. Lou Bella. We got Guinnesses. We're drinking. Mother's cheers. milk. Cheers. Right cheers. Mmm. It's really good at 11 a.m. Hey, you're in Jack Doyle's. Yeah. You gotta have a Guinness. That's true. You also have to pump your sponsor. Jack Doyle, as I said, we are right at the top. Yeah, I said it more emphatically. <laughs> Jack yeah. Doyle's. We're at Jack Doyle's, drinking Guinness. 35th and 7th, probably the best place to watch a big game. The World Cup has been Only going the Kenobios on. could get me out into this place. That's another thing. Lou came from Seacliff, uh, New came York. Came from Long Island on a sunny day and a beautiful day where I could be out of my boat. I came here to be with you boys. I know. Discuss boxing. I, on, on Regis Progray Fight Week. That's what I want to talk to you about. And it's a lot of things I want to talk to you about. The state of boxing and some big things that are coming up here on the schedule. For you, you have a busy week coming up. You're going to be flying down to New Orleans for New Orleans Regis Progray. He's got a big fight. I think a lot of fans were surprised to see that uh, he, the winner of this, will, he'll be entered into the World Boxing Super Series 140-pound division. You know, Regis is a beast, and, and he's got power in both hands. He can knock you out. He gives angles. He's got, you know, I promoted Sergio Martinez a long time ago, and I brought Sergio to a Regis Progray fight, and Sergio's like, we fight differently, but he reminds me of me. It's funny you say that because we had Regis on our show, and I said to him, you know, Lou has, has said that you were, he reminds you of, of Sergio, and he was, like, completely taken back by it because of the both hands and the athleticism and kind of sticking his yeah, head yeah. in there and pulling it out. Did so he like it? He loved it. He, no, but it's really the truth because Sir, Sergio, you got to remember, his body was already messed up when I got him. He, he, he came here in, in his, like, 33 years old, but before he made his debut here, he, he, he was completely unknown. He had God-given ability. He did things other people can't do. Right. The, the angles, the, 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 the punches coming out of nowhere, the intelligence to see openings and be able to do unorthodox stuff to exploit those openings. I see those things in Regis. Regis does things other guys just can't do. Regis got a really good trainer. Bobby Benton's a real good young trainer. Uh, Bill Benton's son, been around boxing his whole life. Um, and I think he does a great job of Regis, but I think a lot of the stuff that Regis is able to do is just like freaky, God-given talent. Yeah, I saw him fight up at Turning Stone last June at Hall of Fame weekend. I was doing copy box, and I heard a lot about him. But then he he, he got the guy out of there in like two rounds, took him out. Then we saw him against Ndongo uh, this past year. So. His career is starting to, to, to tick up here. But he's, just, he's destroying guys. That's what I'm saying. But, but he's destroying guys that are good fighters. Joel Diaz was a good fighter. Right. You know, I mean, Ndongo's a good fighter. He, he, there's nothing you can do about superpower you don't see coming. And, and, and his, his defense is better than people think, too. Well, he can get away with the, with the slipping because of his, his athleticism and his youth. Yeah, and I'd rather his hands stay right. up exactly. and I scream and yell keep your hands up as I used to do with Sergio drives me crazy because but but that like you know he has that that elusiveness you know that quickness he, he tremendous athlete 
Not really interesting kid too. You look yeah. at his backstory. I mean, displaced, displaced by, by Katrina. Yeah. Didn't know if his mother was was even around for like a week. Like was worried about his family's survival. Like the family was split up. Um, everything turned out all right. Thank God for them. But then he was in Houston, and in you know he decided to stay there. He'd already been displaced. He was in Houston, and the boxing scene in Houston is very yeah, strong. The Charlos. He said he's friends with the Charlos. I, mean, I he, heard some stories too from them. They, well, growing up as kids, they must have been wild. Well, they all they also think that Regis is a badass. Like yeah, in that's Houston, what they were saying. Regis and the, is like like a, like a gym legend in Houston. Like because guys just a, they know how good he is. All yeah. the other fighters in that Houston area, and there are so many of those terrific fighters that fight out of Texas, and and they all know how good Regis is, and and and. I don't think it's surprising that he's going to go into that World Boxing Super Series. That's a good move. Because he's going to get a chance to fight you know, a couple of other champions. He can walk out of that tournament with three belts. Yeah. And, and, and that's, a, that's a pretty cool situation for him. There's a few things that fans were... were for anyone who's listening, about. though, hold on. When, when is this going to air, by the way? Uh, probably later tonight or tomorrow. Okay, good. It's UNO Lakefront Arena. Tickets are at Ticketmaster.com. We're at the UNO Lakefront box office. It's kind of cool. You, it's in New Orleans, too. Yeah, New Orleans is a great, great town. I mean, it's, it's going to be really hot, but, but I don't care. I mean, I'd rather sweat in New Orleans than I want to see else. Lou walking down Bourbon Street with one of those yardsticks. I've, I've, walked, I've been walking down Bourbon Street with yardsticks on many occasions. Just screaming out, Lakefront Arena, this Saturday. We're just probably just a big crowd I'll be prom- I'll be promoting up and down the streets of New Orleans, eating crawfish and drinking beer. Careful. It's, I heard it's a dirty, dirty little place, though. Right. The, New Orleans. You gotta be careful. Yeah, you do yeah. have to be careful. Yeah. But it's not a dirty little place. It's still one of the great places in this country. You just gotta, you gotta watch it. That. You gotta be careful out there. You gotta be careful but out another there. Another thing, though, I'm glad to be happy here is we saw Progress fight so many times on Showtime, and he was, you know, banging the drum for for Ramirez fight. Does that now that I see that he's on ESPN now and uh, he has the top rank? I guess you're working in association with top rank. Just with on him. this fight. Yeah. On this fight, does he st- obviously he still wants Jose Ramirez? We saw him this past week and didn't have the fight. I want to talk to you about the extreme weight cuts too. If I was Jose Ramirez, though, I wouldn't want Regis. You think that's the case here? I just I think. Yeah, not yet. I, I mean, they were pretty clear about it. And I don't. I, you know what? Too, it's cool. Like you know, I mean, if you're gonna talk the talk, you should walk the walk. And I have to say about Regis. He walks the walk, um, but but from a Ramirez standpoint, he sells a lot of tickets in Fresno. And he, look, they were going to put him in with Danny O'Connor. Um, you know, they, they, I think they think the kid needs a little bit more time and development before he gets in the ring with Aregis. Um But we took advantage instead of fighting, we worked out a situation. I think that works well for everyone. Regis is going to get paid pay pretty well to fight on ESPN. And yeah, he's going to be on ESPN and, and, and before Pacquiao. Right before Pacquiao. I mean, it's, I know we, he, Regis thinks it's an honor that he'll be on ESPN, the main network ESPN, right. leading into Manny Pacquiao on the app. I mean, I know Regis thinks it's cool that he's he's on, like, you know, part of that, that Pacquiao night. Um, you know, Velasco's uh, one of those Argentinians that can punch. He's a tough guy. Um, I don't want to jinx myself or take anything for granted. I don't think he's in Regis' class, but but he's a dangerous kid, like a lot of those South American punchers are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Zerto Ramirez just had a tougher time than he thought he was going to have yeah. against a kid that could punch from South America. Um, but you know what? Regis has been destroying really good fighters and, and, and doing it in style and doing it rather quickly. I mean, when Regis sees an opening, he takes it. He, 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 he's proven in, in tough fights against against other guys that he could go the distance and he could take a fight to right. its conclusion. Um, 
But when he sees an opening and he thinks he can, he can end it, he, he, he goes for it. Now, how did uh, Mark Wahlberg, Peter Berg, I see that they got their myths into Regis from a management standpoint. How did that come about? Because I'm, I'm going on they, Instagram, I'm seeing them they talk work with this with guy. A, they work with a young kid named, who I have a lot of respect for, a young kid named Sam Krakowski, who runs the, the um, Wild Card West Gym. Right, and, in Hollywood, right? Yeah, and, and, and then they've been talking for a while together about, about you know, finding the right fighter. They wanted to manage. They have. They have already. Um, uh, who's the tough kid from uh, Oklahoma that just fought a week ago? Sosedo. Right. Oh, geez, that was like a people that, were calling it a Gotti war. war. That was a bloody war. When they're Len, saying Gotti war, did you get offended by that? That wasn't Gotti Ward because Gotti and Ward were better. But right. but it was a damn great fight. It's cool and, that that's the barometer. You like, know what, man? People use Gotti Ward. When two warriors high. get in the ring, and they give everything they have, and they bleed like stuck pigs, and they. You know, like, I mean, Lenny Z, he's retired, and I give him, I mean, I wish him the best. He showed me that night, like, the heart of a lion and yeah. a warrior. And, and he had so, him hurt. He had Sosito hurt and, in the fifth round. And he had him hurt. And, and Sosito, like, I don't think Sosito's the most talented guy out there, but, man, he's got, you know, a big pair of cojones. Yeah. I got no, no real problem with when two guys give that much, the Gaddy Ward comparisons. I have no problem with that. Okay. But Gaddy and Ward, there were only... There's only one Gaddy, and there was only one Ward. And, and, and that combination is, in my mind, one of the most dramatic and greatest in the history of our sport. That was a wild night. I mean, I wish I was there, but I know uh, my father was there, and you were a big part of putting that fight together. Your father I mean, was always there. Yeah, he's your there. Father, your father and I were. Your father and I hit the road for I don't know how many years together. Your father and I were every big fight together. It's funny. And usually man. every bar on earth together the and, days leading up to the fight. And now here we are at Jack Doyle's bar with his friggin' kid. With me, right here, talking to you, Lou. Which and means I'm fucking old. <laughs> It's funny because, like, growing up, as my, obviously you and my dad are good friends. And, yeah, uh, and I, I, I remember you when you were fucking in diapers. Yeah, no, and here we are right now. And, and I remember this one time that he brought us to your house in Huntington. And uh, it was an NFL Sunday, and you were screaming about Elvis Gerback, the quarterback on the, on the Chiefs. I guess you had some money on it or whatever. And I just thought it was so cool because we were running around your yard. We were going in the pool. We were playing uh, on the tennis courts and stuff. Just growing up, I was like, wow, Lou DiBella, he's, he's a crazy cat. And now you're right here, and I get to talk to you for an hour. Yeah, now we're older, crazy cat. Uh, you look good, man. Thank you, bro. I'm trying. So how's, how's the summer going? What's going on in Lou's life outside of, of boxing? I know you, people don't know this, that Lou is a two-time owner of uh, two minor league baseball teams. Well, the Flying I, Squirrels I, and the Montgomery Biscuits. I got the, the Richmond Flying Squirrels, uh, the uh, AA San Francisco Giant team. And uh, your dad's one of my co-owners. I know, that's great. As he is in the Montgomery Biscuits, the Tampa... Ray Double A team in Montgomery, in Montgomery, Alabama, which is a really cool town, and you got to come down and check I'd it out sometime. To. Montgomery's a cool town. Can you get me on the field? I want to take BP. Yeah, I can be arranged. I can be arranged. I own the friggin' team. I can be arranged. <laughs> what else can we do? Uh, on the bases, I coach but, first. I love minor league baseball. Minor league baseball is like all the negative energy and bullshit and and scumbags I have to deal with on a daily basis in boxing. <laughs> that's what I'm... That that's the yink and and the yang to that. Is minor league baseball. That's what I'm saying. When you're well, I actually, the actually get to make families and kids happy and see like like positive energy. So the, the crowds at a Montgomery Biscuit game and a and a uh, Flying Squirrels game a little different than the Barclays when there's just weed smoke in the air and everyone's uh, Takashi Six well, Nine is going to show up. I, I, I'll tell you this: there's no anti-gang gang units uh, rolling un, units cruising around at my minor league parks. Nor does the place smell like a bonk. Oh my god! The, the, it's getting like I don't know, worse and worse, or better and better. It depends on how you look at it. But the last the Broner fight was absurd in terms of getting into the arena. All the the hoopla that was during the. Now week. you know what? The for all the for all, like, look, you can't. You know, 
It is it's box. I, I, I walk down the street. It's decriminalized. People. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, I, it's I, I, I think I like. I, I think I was offered a joint three times between between Ninth Avenue. Dude, and I live in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Between Ninth Avenue and walking into this place, there were like four or five. I passed four or five different yeah, people. Just out in the open, right? Just out in the open, smoking in the street. Some guy tried to pass me, a fucking dude. They're so like, Bella, like, here, hit hey, hey, bro, come on. And then you show up to the you, interview. You smoke weed anywhere? I'll tell you this though: uh, the security at the Barclays Center and the the whole operation at the yeah. Barclays Center, I, I think, is 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 the best in boxing right now. Yeah. And um, and if you're gonna smell an occasional like little whiff of. Uh, Worst thing of some chronic. What are you gonna do? Yeah, it's worst things out there. Exactly. But uh, let's, let's play a little game here. Let's play a little <laughs> game here. Well, actually, I want to talk to you first about. I have to get it out of the way. Joshua Wilder. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is okay, going uh, on? You didn't hear me talking a lot about it the last month or two. No, because it's no. Just, it's just dead now, right? It, it, it wasn't alive. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. It, it'll happen when Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn want it to happen. Clearly, we all want it to happen. Right. Deontay wants it to happen. He's doing more, everything he, he possibly he, can. He, he can't do more to prove that he wants it to happen. And, and, and it'll happen when it happens. I have, I, have, I have a couple of words to say about that. It is what it is. And it'll happen when it happens. And when you hear less bullshit and fewer people are writing horseshit yeah. and fewer people on, on social media are trying to micro-analyze every friggin' tweet or, or, or video, stupid video or something out of Eddie... Like when you don't hear anything, then you could assume That's maybe what things I've always are. Heard. Then maybe you'll assume exactly. things are progressing. Obviously, he's got to fight Pavetkin. Obviously, Deontay's not going to sit idle. I had a conversation with Deontay last week. This is what I said to him: "Fuck them. Stop worrying about them. You know what I mean? We did everything in our power. I think the fans we know went, that. We too. went, we went above and beyond to levels that I would not have gone to. It wasn't ultimately my decision. He and his management, they would have, they offered, we offered fifty million dollars. They didn't take it." They were willing to do a really shitty deal for Deontay to get him in the ring with Joshua. Because that's how confident, stupid deal. But that's how confident that Deontay was in beating the guy. They still didn't want to fight him. So you can't make someone fight you. So here's what you got to do. Do you. Deontay's got to do Deontay. Get out there. Be seen. In, you know, interact with the fans. You want him to do more of that stuff? Maybe yeah, I want, on, him more, I, want, I want him to get, get on, on SportsCenter. I, I want him to get on WWE. I, awesome. I, I want him to, to, to get out there and make himself as... I want him to spend less time worrying about a fucker that's running away from him and more time on himself. And, and we had a long conversation about this. I, I, I really love Deontay. I think he's a good people. And, and, and you know what, man? There's no... What you see is what you get with Deontay Wilder. That's not the case with the guys that we're chasing. With the guys we're chasing, it's all about trying to, to spin a web of bullshit and, and, and get people to believe that they are, you know, that it's, it's on us. No, 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 no. It's on you. Well, the fight will yeah, happen. Fight will happen when Eddie and AJ want it to happen. Well, it's clear that right now we're going to worry about the it's, it's We're going to build that, the It's clear that Joshua they want to, to get him some more fights. Pavekin. Did anyone really friend. believe the guy's launching something? What is it called? Like the Dazn. What the, the fuck zone. is that? What's the Z? Dazn. What is that? Pronounce? It's the zone. It's the zone. Really? Yes, yes. It's hard to pronounce based upon that. It's spelled D A D A Z Y. You know, you know anyone? You know anyone that has that app? I don't know. I think I think this is promising. There's a streaming. You know anyone that has the app? Not yet, because it's not launched yet. Oh, it's not launched yet? No. So I don't know. know. I thought it was around. Well, they have Bellator now, and I mean, it, I understand if you. I don't. I don't, I, I don't even wish them badly. I wish them well, but but he's got a shitload of money to launch I mean. to launch something to launch this DAZN. He's got a lot of money to launch it. 
And, and, and honestly, anything that brings money to boxing is good. I'm not rooting. I swear to God, Eddie and I fuck around a lot. <laughs> like, some of it's real, some of it's not. But, like, you know, we, we go at each other a lot. But I'm not, like, I'm not rooting against his success. But if, but if you look at it from, from a do you ever standpoint. Think, okay, look at it from this standpoint. What, who's Eddie's cash cow? Anthony Joshua. Who's, look at the rest of Eddie's stable. It ain't much. Who, who is the whole key to Eddie's stable? Yeah, that's why he's fighting on the zone. That's why he's fighting for Okay, but, but, but here's the whole thing. Do you ever think that he was going to let Anthony Joshua get in a ring at the time he's launching his no, new thing? No, of course not. That's why he's doing it. I think fans can He's going to put him in a 50-50 fight where he might get knocked the fuck out. He's going to do that when he hasn't even launched his, that's, his site yet? That's why he's doing it. It was never happening. But he had to spin the web. He couldn't just say, hey, it's not the right time for, for Matchroom. It's not the right time for AJ. I don't think Robert McCracken wants... Robert McCracken's a great trainer, smart boxing guy. I don't think he thinks AJ needs any part of Deontay yet. If no. he did, the fight would happen. Well, that's the thing. The fans know. The boxing fans, you can't fool boxing fans. They, they oh, you can fool it. some boxing you fans. Oh, and let me tell you something. Great Britain, man. And by the way, go, I, I was going to say, you know, like, like, congratulations to England on getting into yeah. the... The semis, but but like, come on, they, they drink a lot of Eddie Eddie Hearn Kool Aid. Well, there. I'm talking about here in the states, the fans. Now, where do I see over here? You can't promote on Twitter. Like, there's no such thing in America. You got to actually promote. You don't. You can't go on Twitter with stacks of hundred dollar bills and, and driving your Rolls Royce, singing "I'm the man, I'm the man." Yeah. That don't play here. All right, but you know, you can't do videos like talking to Deontay Wilder, put on dark glasses, and try to sound like an African American. That don't play here. Mm. I guess, yeah, but, you know? but the, what I'm trying to say is the fans can see that Wilder wants to fight. And the, the fans, fans and I, I think even the British fans, fans, I think even the UK fans were yeah, the, I saw those tweets the too. best the best boxing fans, the most like passionate boxing fans in the world. And you know what? In some ways, like I wish they American fight fans supported American fighters. Yeah, that's another thing in boxing. That's... American fight fans don't start American fighters. They all want to be like all these American fight fans like want to be like, okay man, I'm esoteric. So like so like I'm into this like guy from Japan, or I'm to, into this guy whose name yeah, I can't like a pronounce. Sport. It's like sport. I mean, come on. Like it, like like like. They want to like the up and coming guy that no one likes. They don't. No, they want to. They want to like the guy no one knows. Exactly. That's like, what I mean. That's why. Give it's a little bit of love to, to to your great American fighters. Right. And right now there are a lot of great American. So do you fighters. think we'll see the fight in 2019? 2019, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say. Based upon how what I hear and see from Eddie and those people, that, well, you know, he has this two-fight deal at Wembley, so it has to be there. They're kind of like yeah. I mean, their, I, mean, I, mean I, I, I think you'll see it 2019 before the end of the year. Hopefully, I, I don't think it'll be necessarily the first fight in 2019. And who the fuck says we have to go to Wembley? I mean, if there's more money in Vegas, why isn't the fight in Vegas? Every great British fighter has wanted to fight in Vegas. Well, yeah. Well, clearly he's the cash cow and he doesn't want to leave. All right. Well, then, then maybe look, we'll see. You know what? We ain't gonna chase them like lap dogs with our tongues hanging out. Right. I like the idea of him getting been out that, there more. Done that. Right now, we've been there and done that. Now, right now, Deontay's got to continue to knock people out and to build his star power. Get him in WWE against Braun Strowman, the big heavyweight in the WWE. Look what he did for Mayweather. He went on Raw. He went on. Remember, he punched uh, Big Show. He didn't fake it. He let actually me, hit him. Let me tell you something. There ain't one freaking guy in WWE that could withstand a clean nice punch. right hand. Night, one right hand. From the bronze bomber. I enjoy talking put, to him, man. He's put, come on put, the show puts before. Down, yeah. Puts down the monster among men. What about Brock Lesnar? Puts down the big show. Fuck Brock Lesnar. <laughs> what was he'd that? Go to, he'd, he'd go to sleep with, with, with less than a shot. Him in the UFC cage. He might be able to jab Brock Lesnar to sleep. Yeah, he doesn't like getting punched in the face. But, but I sort of like Brock Lesnar, actually. 
Here we go. We're gonna play right now. I like WWE, game. by the way. I'm a, I, I, no, it's, I, fun. it's one of my like guilty pleasures. It's fine. I still uh, watch. I, I'm a wrestling fan. I love to see Wilder, and I think it'd be great cross promotion because the fans are insane. The rabid fan base. And, and, and Deontay's a charismatic guy. We gotta we, we gotta do more getting him out there. I agree. All right, so let's play a game right now. It's called Five Rounds with Lou Debella. I got some questions I have for you. I know you were trying to sneak a peek at them, but I was covering them. But here they are. I want you to say what comes to mind when I say these names. I'm gonna throw some names out to you. Sergio Martinez. El Gran Campeón, the, 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 the greatest fighter ever promoted. And you guys remain very good friends. I see very, interactions we're, on we're, Twitter. We, we, we promote fighters together. I promote fighters that, that, that he ma he's managed. He's a dear friend of mine. I, lo I love Sergio Martinez and we'll be friends for life. I'll never forget the night that he knocked out Paul Williams. The most loyal, the most loyal fighter, the two most loyal fighters I've ever had the pleasure of working with, um, both of whom I love dearly. Sergio Martinez and Mickey Ward. Wow, yeah, and, and bring it back to that night when he knocked out Paul Williams in the rematch. Oh, it was oh crazy stuff. I was no, at ringside was, for that. I want to tell you something. There was that crazy. Was a knockout and a half. There was crazy stuff that night. He kept saying he, he used to call me Maestro, and that whole week he was saying to me, "I'm a nervous wreck when my fighters, oh, oh, particularly if I love the fighter." You know what I mean? Like when I, like when I have a person, I, 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 like even though I know Regis is supposed to be Velasco, I'll be a nervous wreck because I love Regis. Of course. You know, and, and, and there's certain certain fighters who take a more of a personal sort of relationship. Well, half the fun of watching one of your fighters fight is watching you in the background run up and down. Particularly if it's a fighter that I feel that kind of emotional connection to. Like the Wilder, Wilder's less. Yeah, fight. Wilder, I feel an emotional connection to Wilder too. I mean, there are guys that I just I love them. They're my friends, and and and, and like, and, and and I get really caught up in it. Um, the night, the week, the whole week of that second Paul Williams fight, I was afraid we were going to get jobbed. I, 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 you know, the first fight, I thought that Sergio won, right. um, and Sergio's like maestro. Uh, I, I'm a machine. I'm a machine. Don't worry. I have this. I'm a machine. I went into his dressing room before the fight, and there's a piece, a little, a little piece of paper, and he says, "Put this in your pocket and don't open it until after the fight." And it. It basically said, third round, I will knock him cold. Oh, my God. What was it, second? Or it was the second, though, right? It was the second. He was yeah. off by a round, but yeah. he predicted the punch. Unbelievable. He predicted the punch. Listen, unbelievable. And by the way, when I watched the fight in repeat, he almost landed the same punch in the first round. And he saw that this flaw in, in, in Paul, that when Paul threw this, the jab, how he left himself open, and he knew that he knew the punch that was going to not. And he thought he'd get him by three. And he got him in the second. I was ringside for that. And uh, I still, people always ask me, what's the craziest knockout? The highest knockout? I've ever jumped. Crazy, yeah. Craziest knockout you've ever seen. Everyone, everyone always asks me, I say, Sergio Martinez, Paul Williams in Atlantic City. After that, we go out, we go partying. All my friends were in town. So that was a very memorable night uh, in Atlantic City. I know it was uh, for you, too. Uh, Paulie Malinaji. Little, little guinea bastard. Uh, I mean, Paulie and I are cool. We'll always be cool. I mean, I, I, he hurt me a lot. I mean, to be honest with you, I treated him like a member of my family. Um, he broke his hand six times in the first few, like, like five years I had him. And I, and I, and, and I still got, made him, a, you know, helped him make a lot of money. And, and, but you know what? Like, also, he did a lot of, you know, he, even after we had our, fall, our falling out and, and, and he left, um, you know, Paulie got the most out of what he has yeah, in every absolutely. way, including, you know, I started him even in the commentary. 
you know, I told him he'd be good at it. He, he did some Broadway boxing stuff, but he turned that into a, you know, really a great career at Showtime and being a top announcer doing stuff for in the UK. Um, you know, I, I, Paulie and I are friendly. We've had I, our, again. I mean, yeah. we, we we've like I think I did really right by Paulie. Um, I was disappointed for a period of time, but he and I are are cool now. We see each other. We're friends. Yeah, I I we've had our issues. He's not a big fan of CopyBox. He's gone out of his way a bunch of times to say disparaging. You got to have respect for yes. anybody who gets every ounce. That's the thing I was of say. what they have right. out of themselves squeezes all that talent or whatever they have in themselves is able to squeeze every bit out of it and make a success of themselves See, despite the fact that he has issues with us i always respected him that he only he basically went in there with one hand he fought everyone there was to fight so. couldn't punch i mean yeah. he couldn't punch you he had there were, there were things that he was always at a disadvantage and he had a great career mm -hmm. and um and he's still having a great career as an announcer and, I, and i'm glad we buried the hatchet because because you know we have a lot of history and most of it's good mickey ward the greatest. I mean, my, the greatest guy, um, the most loyal guy, uh, the greatest warrior. Um, just a regular lunch pail guy, still dry, still working construction. To Is he day. really? Yeah, he 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 he, 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 he rides the, the roller. I said to him, Mickey, you don't you really need to do that because it keeps me away from Charlene. Uh, Charlene, Charlene, yeah. <laughs> Everyone like, knows Charlene yeah, from the movie. Like, believe me, back, you know, like. What about Charlene's seven Everybody sisters? Everybody who's married or lives with a woman knows you need a little break now and yeah. then. Um, and the sisters too. Yeah, hey, look, you know, the, the, like the, eight the, of them. Mickey's life was was wild, and, 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 and you know, Dickie had a wild ride. Mickey had a wild ride. Um, Mickey was the Irish mirror image of Arturo Gatti. I was going to say next, Arturo Gatti. You know, um, and, and and Mickey, I love Mickey. And by the way, Mickey, you know, it's, you should get Mickey on here. I'd love to. But Mickey just recently um, came forward and said that he's been diagnosed that he has a, the likelihood that he has CTE. I mean, and, and we, and, and, you know, about we, boxing. I'll say this: when when Mickey retired, we retired with a, a offer on the table of over a million dollars for another fight. But the people around him and Mickey himself knew that the time was there; that there, there was no more left. Um, but you know, but Mickey's you know a happy guy, and 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 the the symptoms he has right now are not like the kind of violent symptoms or the kind that are ruining his life or or causing him to to be someone else. Um, but but he has symptoms of, of, of CTE and and, uh, and it's something that, that I heard him on a podcast talk about and it was so interesting because the guys that did the podcast just blew right past it and just wanted to have a happy they, conversation. They don't know what to say. You don't know what to say. or even right now I'm struggling with what to ask you next because you don't. There's such like a stigma around. It. We're seeing with football players and we're seeing. It's not a stigma, but it's a matter of understanding that this is the hurt business and that guys are putting their lives at risk and and. And there is a point in time, particularly with guys who are blood and guts warriors, where they have to walk away. I think you asked about Arturo. I love Arturo like like he was a, a kid brother. I mean, Arturo was family to me. I mean, Pat Lynch knew that. Main events knew that. You know, even after I left HBO and we were, I was a competitor in main events. They always knew my relationship with with Arturo. And when there was the the you know the funeral for Arturo and. In Jersey, um, you know the memorial service. And, you know, Pat and Kathy reached out to me, you know, to make one of the eulogies because he was my boy. He was my, you know, pal. I, I'm getting emotional even now yeah, thinking about it. it. But but I got to tell you, man. He, you know, the way he fought, the way he lived, and he fought a lot with reckless abandon. He lived with passion. He fought with an abundance of passion. And and and, you know, he had. I I, I saw a quote um, after Anthony Bourdain committed suicide. I, I saw a quote from Anthony Bourdain where he said. Um, you know, pretty much like your, bo your, your body's not 
or the temple, it's an amusement park. Yeah. Enjoy, you know, enjoy the ride. Yeah. Um, Arturo enjoyed the ride, but but I have no doubt that those wars and too many of them and and maybe some fights that should never have been made based on skill levels. Um, you know, it, it's it, it it's it's very sad. I I, I to this day uh, believe that. I don't believe that he killed himself. No, that's, uh, that's something. I mean, it's I, hard I, to think I, that, I, I right? Ne- I will never believe that. We're closing in on nine years, almost. Yeah, well, I, I'll never, I'll never believe that. I, I, I'll never believe that. Um, Artur never quit in anything, and he, and he wasn't going to quit on his own life. Right. Um, if there was anyone I ever met in my life that wouldn't quit, it was Arturo Gatti. Um, and, and Gatti and Ward. It's appropriate that you asked about Mickey first yeah. and Gatti right there because they were like blood brothers. You know, they. they they became brothers. Like you ever they get were, tired of people bringing up the, that that question to you? The fact that you you made that fight. Do you ever get tired of talking about it? No, no, I don't get tired of talking about those two guys or that fight. And I don't get tired of honoring the memory of Arturo Gatti, who will, in my mind, always be the greatest warrior. Oh, my favorite fighter of all. You know, my, the greatest warrior I ever encountered. And, and 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 if he was one, then one A was Mickey Ward. Do you think he'd get into commentating if he was still around, Gatti? He's yeah, crazy, I, man, I, I right? Know, I don't know about that. I think about that all the time. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't think he, with, with his Canadian accent and Mickey, Mickey's accent, you couldn't understand the fucking two of them. With Particularly when they had a couple of, when Mickey and, and Artur had a couple of these in them, yeah. and they started going 90 miles an hour talking to each other. What was that like? That must have been uh, wild. It was hilarious, and, and I don't know how many times like I hung out with them, but there would be a point in time where only the two of them could understand what the other one was saying. Yeah, they're so language. No, no, neither one of them should have been a commentator. I should be a commentator. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> What went into that? Just the, the fact that you're sitting back and you're like, you know what, Mickey, I got Mickey Ward here. He's I was in an stable. emergency room with Mickey and Arturo after the first fight, sitting on like adjoining beds, laughing their ass off. It's crazy. Like, and, and, and both of them looked like they like needed to be admitted. They were beaten to a fucking pulp. Yeah. And they were sitting there joking with each other. And like the respect between those two guys was extraordinary. I mean, that's what I'm saying. The respect level, the fact that they became friends and but, but they the knew movies, they, the they knew that there was a connection between them that was different than almost any other fighters ever had. Even look, Morales and Barrera never really liked each other. Like they, you know, there've been a lot of other you know, rivalries. Bo and Holyfield weren't pals. You know, Ward and Gaddy, they became almost like alter egos, and and they understood that Arthur believed that that Mickey was his Irish counterpart and Mickey believed Arthur was his Italian counterpart Unbelievable. And like they, they they just looked at each other and saw as fighters the same guy all right I got a name for you Bob Aaron the Bob father the Bob father it's a complicated guy you know when you dial up his phone and you're getting on the phone I've had some but look I got a I mean I got a a, a good weird relationship with Aaron yeah, it was safe I mean, there's good. been bumps. There's been bumps in the road that have been ridiculous. There's been love hate. There's been you know times where his wife was mad at me because of shit I said. There was like, he, I, one time I tried to jump over a couch because he pissed me off so much at a meeting. He said horrible things, rumors about me at times. Um, but he's a very smart guy. Uh, I learned a lot from him and his company about matchmaking and promotion. Um, we still have, we still speak, and we have a good relationship. And. I got to tell you, I mean, like, it's a complicated, like I said, it's a complicated relationship. It's not all smooth sailing, but um, I think there's a healthy mutual respect. And, um, and and I've, over the years, I've had some, you know, as I've had some bad situations with Aaron, but I've had a lot of fun with Aaron. And, and, and I certainly unequivocally believe 
uh, he, that he's a legitimate Hall of Fame promoter, one of the greatest promoters that's ever been in the game. That's funny. Because we, we have, we have a lot of different philosophies. Yeah, we have I, I don't agree show. with him on a lot of a lot of the ways business is conducted. We're very different, um, but I respect him. Yeah, he came on the show and uh, he's. I said, "Do you think you're the greatest promoter of all time?" He got very uncomfortable with that. He said, "No. How can you even? You know, how do you even know who's the greatest promoter of all time?" But he also said that he said smoking weed is the long the key to his longevity. I kind of knew he was gonna answer that. I kind of said, put it on a tee for him. I said, what's the key to longevity? You know, you're 88. How old he is? Well, you know, I, I hope he's right. <laughs> so you know, forever, right? I hope he's right, man. I hope he's right. I hope he's right. right. And, 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 you, and if you're going to ask the inevitable question, um, you're going to live forever. No, I'm not going to live forever, but but I can tell you that that um, that Bob and I have, have indulged together wow. at, on, on a few occasions. I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that. Let me tell you something, man. You know, um, I don't know about weed being the key to life, but I'll tell you that that I, I'm not a big drinker. Like, you know, I'm just not. Like, I, I like a cold beer mm -hmm. and I like my scotch or whatever, but I don't like to be drunk. Right. Um, and and I, I think people tend to be violent and nasty and lose control and black out. Drunk. I mean, there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of bad mm -hmm. drunks. Yeah. There's not that many bad, bad stoners. stoners. Yeah. No, not that many bad stoners. Well, the reason he, he brought it up to his fighters, he said he, he would rather have his fighters, um, you know, smoke some weed to alleviate pain rather than drink or to pills. So he, he took that route. I haven't. I mean, I haven't had that discussion, but I'll be honest with you. I've had situations where I've never um, released a fighter where I could have for busting a weed test. Uh, a, I think it would have been wrong. Because I, I mean, come on. I mean, if someone recreates, it's weed. I know. I mean, it's not. Believe me, it's not a performance-enhancing drug either. No. Um, Ask uh, who you know, no, one want, no one wants a particularly mellow fighter. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it would be, it would have been hypocritical of me to, to release a fighter for smoking weed. So I, I've never done that. You only release a fighter, Tor Hammer, who wouldn't come off the the stool. There, there was more to that story though when I released Tor because, um, you know, Tor had had a. Had had a fight before then when he, where where he also didn't go off the stool yeah. where, where he said that um, he'd been sick and and leading up to that fight in in Macau he called one day and said told one someone in my office that he wasn't feeling well and I was like wait a minute and I called him this beer sorry chug a beer um, I actually need a sip. <laughs> Um, and he told me that he that he wasn't feeling great. And I said, "Look, Torben, if you're not feeling great and you're sick, pull out of the fight, but don't go to Macau." Well, well you don't we go released to, them on Twitter. That's what it was. Don't go to Macau. People love that. Don't go to. It was, I think it was the first time it's ever happened in the history of sports. Yeah, that's that's. That was right. the first athlete in the history of sports ever released on Twitter. I, remember the Twitter I have. Like, you're released. I was like, "Are you?" Okay. This is unbelievable. It, it was. I had to make the. I had to do it in writing. I certainly yeah. had to write on Twitter. Yeah. It lives um, forever. The only, the I don't internet. know if I, I mean, I, I was sort of infuriated that night because I, at the point at which he stopped fighting, I hadn't seen a hard punch land from the other guy, and I actually thought if Tor wasn't ahead in the fight, it was an even fight. Right. And, and, but I knew that he had sort of like almost given me this like warning before, like by telling someone in my office that, that he was like, and right. I called him and I said, if you're sick, I don't want you fighting. I don't want to defraud people. I don't want, I don't want to see the fight end in a corner. And then when the fight ended in a corner, I got infuriated, and I'm a little bit of a hothead. And oh, just a little. Just a little. Just and, a little and that night, the hothead came out. Uh, I, I, I'm cool with Tor. Tor's yeah. moved on with his life, and God bless him, whatever. Here, I got a question for you. How would you explain the boxing Twitter? 
I don't know, man. It's a fucking weird place. It is a very strange place. Very strange place. The James Bags of the world. Do you know that guy? Well, no, I mean, dude, I, I don't want to pay attention to particular names. But there, there are <laughs> a lot so of guys on by Well, first of all, it blows my mind how singularly focused so many of the people on boxing Twitter are. Oh, look, look, there are some lovely people on boxing Twitter and talented people on boxing Twitter and unexpected people. I'm talking about that the... girl, Amanda Kelly, who's an artist. She's a brilliant right. artist. Right. And she's a sweet, nice person. And she's out there being nice on boxing Twitter, which is highly unusual. You're not going to get ahead being nice on boxing no, Twitter. No, you get, you get hate and, and vile, like yeah. vitriol and poison yeah. and fucking motherfuckers without a life. Pretty and much. And people that probably haven't had sex since they were born. I mean, they're like... Like, like, boxing Twitter has got, like, this, there's, there's a nerd singularly focused. I'm completely oblivious to the rest of the world, and all I think about is boxing. I can't, I can't. And I hate you if you don't make a particular exactly, fight. Right. I hate you if you disagree with me. You're a piece of shit if you think someone's better than somebody else. Right. Boxing Twitter is, like, sort of messed up. It's like a cesspool. It's, it's, yeah, man. It's like a, like a... I don't know. It's like it's like that. Like when you know, those restaurants have those like those like bins that all the grease and the oil. Yeah, like yeah. The, they call that a Jersey Turnpike. You squeeze it out, and that's a shot. It, it, oh, like the mats. You know what I mean? Man, like the boxing Twitter's got a lot of pollution in it, man. It does. Um, all right, here we go. But what I'm is, still on it. Yeah, you're, that's what I'm saying. You, you're a lot more zen though lately on Twitter. Dude, I you know what? That. I I I I. I I, if someone's just being horrible, I'm no longer. I don't. I don't go back at people anymore. I mute. I, mute I, I use the mute, the mute is one of the best tools. I use, the, I use the mute button because if you block, then you get even trolled for blocking, yeah. and then they troll you from other accounts for blocking. Losers. So I just use the mute button, and um, and I try to. I, I really mean this. I, I one of my new resolutions, like New Year's resolutions, like a year ago, not this past year, the year before, was like, you know, be myself on Twitter, who I really am. Like, don't let bullshit like upset me right don't take you can, a lot of that stuff can happen. seriously you can get those mentions man you can some of these people are just nasty oh, no, the people are you don't understand like some they of the stuff they wouldn't say that to your face dude, some of the stuff that's been written to me has been so vile and horrible and you wouldn't you, say you, it to your face you, you know oh, please i'd beat the shit out of them but <laughs> but some of the stuff that's been written to me has been horrendous just vile and and um what i try to do is i i, I try to be like my mother's always telling me you know you're in a bad business be your best self be your best self thank god my mother's still around to tell me to be my best self but um I, I try to do more of that on Twitter. All right, here we go. Last one here. Five rounds with uh, with Lou DeBell. What is your fondest memory in boxing? Something that happened in the ring and then something that happened outside. So many. So many. Um, Gonna narrow it down. In boxing would probably be... Um, it was a twofold fight. It, it was when Hopkins fought Jermaine the first time, and Bernard and I um, are civil now, and, and he said some things personally that allowed me, like he had some personal conversations with me and said some things that allowed me to bury that hatchet. So that hatchet is buried, um, but he really wronged me. You know, he lied about me, and I had to sue him. And that was a and, bad and time. It was horrible, man. It was a horrible time in my life. It, it hurt my business, hurt my life. Um, but what a storyline, though, to have Jermaine Taylor... And then, and then I had my kid client, that I developed from scratch fighter, fight, him. fight him. That was wild. And, and, and at the, at the weigh-in for that fight, um, Bernard, and I, Bernard was really trying to get under my skin. And um, he made a pretty terrible comment about my brother's suicide. Oh, jeez. Which, which was, it blew my mind that someone would say something like that to me. 
And I got to be honest with you, I think it's a di- I think Bernard today, I think he's maybe grown to the point that if he had that to do again, he wouldn't have done it. Right. Uh, I hope to believe that. Right. Um, but the way Jermaine reacted to it, like he almost killed. The, uh, if people like look at it, he went after. He went at. They had to separate him. He went at. I remember that weigh-in. Bernard at that weigh-in, and that's because he heard that, and it meant a lot to me that that happened. And then when he. There's a picture of me, and I think I've never jumped higher in my life. I think I've I could have. Yeah. I think I could have jammed the basketball if it was in my hand at <laughs> that moment. The when they, when the decision that I thought was appropriate, because I fully believed that Jermaine had won the fight, I just believed that they probably were going to give it to, to Bernard. But when Jermaine was announced the winner of that fight, I jumped higher than I've ever jumped in yeah, my that life. That was. The, I think I've seen the picture. So that, that 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 was a very like that, that, there was a personal sort of redemption kind of. Thing to that night. Yeah, it was a wild that, night. That, that sort of was bigger than boxing for me. Okay, how about something that happened? You know, the Gaddy War the trilogies oh, were, all of them were highlights. Something um, where boxing has taken you somewhere. The first, Boxing After Dark, um, where, where McKinney and Barrera yeah, was an all time classic. And the string of Boxing After Darks and the enthusiasm of all the HBO announcers and, and production people, the role we had right at the beginning of Boxing After Dark, where it was unbelievable fight of the year candidate, 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 and everybody was rolling with that excitement. I mean, it was like a joyful experience to work at HBO Sports at that time. There's no joy in boxing right now for anybody. Maybe for you guys, I hope, doing this, but, but I don't really know a lot of people that have been in the sport a long time that think it's a pleasant, the business happy. Of it has the business has become vile. But the personalities I, I, are there. I mean, yeah, the characters are there, but a lot of the characters are dying off. There, there, there aren't a lot of characters left. And Aram's in his, his 80s, and King's in his, in his late 80s. And, 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 you know, the characters are like dying off. Like the Bert Sugars of the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, I mean, say what you will about me, I'm probably one of the latest. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's the youngest wanted, and last characters. That's I mean, what I wanted to not, end. Not a lot of characters yeah. left, but... I mean, the sport was a, a, a much more collegial, happy place. People went on the road, and the promoter on one side of the fight and the promoter on the other side of the fight, they would have a big dinner, and like 20, 30 people go out and eat like pigs and get fucked up, wasted, and just great tell stories, stories yeah. and the storytelling, and you'd have a great, like, you, it, was ele- it would elevate you. Now, like, if I barely go to, I used to go to every big fight because I love boxing. I barely want to go to some of my own anymore, even if they're good. Like the environment is negative. The, 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 there's too much negative energy. Twitter is a reflection, it's in a, a lot gift. of ways. It's a gift and a curse. Yeah, but it, but but the Twitter boxing Twitter is somewhat a reflection of the business of boxing today. I agree. Boxing Twitter, and I think your dad, if we had this conversation, would agree with this. Boxing, if there was Twitter back when, yeah, boxing Twitter would have had a very different. Vibe, oh, of course, a I very mean, different feel back Sugar then. Sugar Ray Leonard in the '80s and the '90s, and like you said, with HBO. But Lou, you're a character. I love you, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Saturday night, Regis Progray live on ESPN. Um, show starts seven Eastern time. Right. Uh, Tiafimo Lopez. I, even though I don't promote him, I love the kid. He's a really good, really good fighter. He's opening the show. Charles Conwell will be on the ESPN app fighting uh, Travis Scott uh, from from Louisiana on the undercard. Um, there's a, a there's a loaded night of boxing that night. It's the same night. Manny Pacquiao. What do you fights think of Pacquiao? Before we let you go, do you think you got anything left? We're gonna find out. But I mean, the fight's also in Malaysia, so 
I'm going to guess Manny's going to be pretty jacked up for the fight. He's going to do this. He's going to Manny's going to look like King Kong uh, on Saturday night. But it's a dangerous fight because, like, Matisse didn't look good his last fight, but Matisse's still a puncher. It's a, um, yeah, I think it could be a nostalgia fight for fans. They, it's an interesting want, fight. They want to it's see two, it's two guys who It's two guys who are on the wrong side of the mountain. Right. But but it still should be a competitive, interesting fight. The whole interview, I'm looking at this giant ring you have on your hand. This, this, that is the... This is the San Francisco Giants 2014 World Series ring. I have a 10, I have a 12, I have a 14, and uh, you never know. Like, the Giants are still hanging in there this year. My boy Bruce Bochy, the greatest manager in baseball, the, the team is like is hanging tough, even though they've had horrible injuries. As a Yankee fan, I, can you place a call and see if we can get Madison Bumgarner and Pinstripes? Can you make that happen? I'd actually rather you get Zach Wheeler and Pinstripes because my Mets. The Mets need, are never going to trade the Mets. The need to you know they should because the Mets just need to improve because yeah. they suck. The Mets are terrible. We can go on and on for hours about how bad the Mets are, but Lou DeBella, and I'm still a Mets fan. I know. Fuck me. I know. <laughs>